Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. This video is way better with audio. Just, I know you're all thinking like, wow, this is a really quiet video. Maybe it's a reflection. No, it's not. <laughs> We are going to be talking about how God makes us new this Sunday. So we're uh, just finished up Philippians, and it's all about the new life in God. So um, if you want to turn with me, um, we're going to cover Romans 3 starting off. But uh, I'm thankful for all that's going on in this church. There is so much going on, so much life. We actually have um, some really great stuff Um, And stories coming from AA that meets on Friday and small groups and kids church. They're doing that. Kids church has a huge big table. They're going to be doing the Lord's Supper uh, today. So you can talk to your kids about that. Um, I tell you what, it is just really, really exciting. Um, I just want to give a huge shout out to everybody who made all of the renovations possible. We installed these new TV screens. Um, Give it up for them. So a lot of great stuff. And so as we've been renovating the building, it's been my heart and it's been my prayer that more than just new carpet, that God would begin to do something new within us, new within me. Prepare my heart for more of your spirit. Talks about wineskins in the Bible, um, how we need, I just, man, I'm just stirring that God would do something new within us. And so that's kind of the heart behind this new series. And I think a lot of us as Christians, maybe we've been going through church, we hear that, you know, this is Palm Sunday. This was the very Sunday that Jesus rode in to the city to do wonderful things. And his heart was for us to be renewed, for there to be forgiveness of sin, for there to be a new start. And this is epic. This is amazing. But what does that really mean? What does it really mean to have new life in God? And so today, I want to answer a couple questions and explore some different ideas. But what are we without God? What are we without God? What does Scripture tell us? And then secondly, what is new life with God? What does that look like? What does it look like to be a new creation? How does God want to restore me, and why is it so important? Like, where do I fit in all of this? And then lastly, what is my part? Do I have a responsibility or does God do all the work? So let's go ahead and pray as we um, dig into the word. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this Palm Sunday. I thank you, God, for all the churches that are meeting. And God, I just pray your spirit to do a wonderful, amazing work this week. So many people are mindful of Easter and I pray that you would just renew their heart to what the true purpose of Easter is. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 3, uh, starting in verse 10, Paul's speaking a little bit about people who don't know God, and he quotes a psalm written by David in Psalms 14. It says this, it says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They together have become worthless. 
no value. There is no one who does good, not even one. The Bible says that apart from God, we can do nothing. Nothing. Actually, his, his spirit is what gives us breath and life. And I honestly, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, I wonder, like, I don't know. Sometimes I have a hard time. I'm like, I feel like there's people that do good. <laughs> and I was studying this, and I'm like, what does that mean that there's no one who does good? And what it's talking about, the, the um, doing good is not necessarily an action or something that we can accomplish. It's um, like when you take out the trash, like, oh, that's good. That's a good thing. It's not necessarily that when it's talking about good. Um, Susie's college professor at Vanguard, he was talking about this and how the word good is more, more of a superlative, which is used to describe something as best or highest. It's like magnificent. It surpasses everything. It's just of a state of being of, of excellence. So what it's talking about here is um, that you can't necessarily do a good job but you can do your job well. The only person who did good was Jesus. So it's saying that there's nobody of excellent value or of high, high value. Um, it says that they've become unprofitable in Hebrew. So it, it defines it as like spoiled fruit or like rotting milk. Have you ever had that something in the car that just smells foul? I remember one time I, had a, I left a milk jug in my car and I didn't put it in the fridge. Has that ever happened? It's okay if it doesn't blow up, but if it, <laughs> if it leaks into your car, like, it is horrible, right? So this is, the, this is the illustration that they're using. Some of you guys are laughing because you probably have a milk story. I can just tell. I can just tell. So nobody does good. And then he continues on in 13 with even more harsh verbiage. He says, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of viper is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery, excuse me, ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. See, this is a hard description that David and Paul are describing people without God. But I think the danger exists when we believe that we are okay without God. That's exactly where the enemy wants you. To be like, oh, you're a good person. You don't need God. Things are okay. Live the way that you want to live. And see, God is saying, hey, I'm inviting you into something spectacular. But he gives grace to the humble position of meekness is what he longs for. And that's really why Easter is a big, big deal. Because God comes to give us both grace and mercy. This is revolutionary. This is, um, just to give you like an illustration, imagine a person does a crime and they go before the court, they're found guilty, and they're sentenced to X amount of years in jail time. See, grace erases that says, you know what, you don't have to serve your prison term. You are free. But then God goes beyond that in something that is like mind-blowing because he gives us mercy upon grace. 
mercy is, uh, uh, it's difficult for somebody who has a jail sentence to go get a job because it's on their record. And they have to disclose this. If they're renting an apartment or renting a house or a job, everywhere they go, their past follows them. But mercy and grace, it erases their past. God makes us new. He doesn't remember your past. So he erases that past, and he gives the person a house. He gives them community. He gives them a job. That's what grace and mercy does. And what's so mind-blowing is he does that when we are in a place of being an enemy of God. He pursues us, and he died for us when we were yet sinners. He rode into town, and this is the day that we celebrate that. God's grace and mercy are amazing, and we did not deserve them. But Jesus was on a rescue mission from us. He had you in mind from the very beginning. And so what does that look like? Why, why is it important for us to be made new? Why is that important? Why is being a new creation in Christ so important? Well, he's in the process, process of restoring you. And let's look at um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us, there it is again, anew in Christ Jesus, so that why? Why has he created us anew? To do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. <laughs> to do the good things that he's planned long ago. Did you know that God has good things that he has you in mind for? And some of us might be like, this is a little overwhelming. <laughs> I hope he doesn't talk about serving in kids' church again. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about that. But look at this. Imagine if God invites you. He says, look, I want you to come on a trip with me. I want to I show you some things. I want you to experience some things. Like, that's the good things that God is inviting us to. He is inviting you to plan good things. You think about the cosmos and the universe and knowing that us right here in this room he has you in mind you in mind to do good things I was cleaning up the house and I noticed this morning there was a puzzle piece on the floor underneath our kitchen table and I'm like oh no a puzzle piece <laughs> like where's this go I don't know like but I thought about it like this 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 message popped in my head because like that manufacturer had a plan for that piece and it can only fit in that one spot and the puzzle is affected without that one piece I can't go to another puzzle and be like oh it's about the same size <laughs> like I don't see any type of substitutionary in that scripture that talks about God's got a good plan work for you but you know what if you don't do it, these other 10 people will handle it. It's okay. Like, do you understand how unique of a privilege this is? God wants to make you new. He wants to give you your, his spirit inside of you because you are a masterpiece. I bet you you didn't wake up saying, wow, Sunday, I feel like God's masterpiece this morning. <laughs> 
get some coffee. Let's do this thing. But that's the truth. You are God's masterpiece. Only you know the people that you know. Only you have the job that you have. Only you have the past. Only you have what you have to do the unique job that God has set out for you to do. And if there's one thing I want, it's for you to find that purpose and to find that position. Um, it's also okay <laughs> that that job or that position or those good things might not look like how you envision those good things to be. Did you ever wonder what the Jews felt when Jesus was parading through the town? Like they had been wanting a Messiah. They had been begging and praying for a Messiah because their lives were very difficult. They were in the Roman Empire. They were not being treated fair. They were being overtaxed. They saw injustice all the time. People are their friends, it happening to them, and they're praying for God's deliverance. And so in their minds, when the Messiah was to show up, he was to overthrow the Roman government. Why? Because it was such a hard, turbulent time to live in. But when Jesus came in on Palm Sunday, that was not on his list of things to do. He was there to do something more meaningful, more lasting, more eternal, and to bring the Spirit of God into our lives to give us grace and mercy, a new start, changing the way that we think so that we can do good things that glorify God. And probably there was no Jew, if you were to interview 20 of them, that would have said, this is why Jesus is coming today. <laughs> so is it possible that the good things that you think or that you tell God that you want to do for him <laughs> might not be on the same path? And that's okay because they're probably going to be better than you imagine. Because let's face it, God's smarter than you, <laughs> right? God's smarter than you and he's smarter than myself as well. So um, I do feel like sometimes I personally put a pressure on myself that I'm not doing enough. Has that ever happened to anybody? You're just like, wow, I love God, but I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. And I, and I relate that to even my children. Like, my children have chores every Friday. They start doing their chores or whatever. Uh, when the dishwasher needs to be emptied, I tell them, hey, empty the dishwasher, right? So they have some chores. But for most of their days, it's pretty kicked back, right? If they want to play with Legos or do a book, you know, like, please don't play with matches. But, you know, like, <laughs> and I think, like, I wonder... It would, it would irritate me as their father if they're just like, Dad, I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. And they're just like so anxious and so worried and panicked that they're not doing enough. I'd be like, dude, just chill out, right? Like, just relax. And I think the goodness of God allows us to enjoy what he has made. And in a way that blesses him and gives him glory. So in the process, know that A, you do have good things that God has planned you to do, but you might be on the journey of preparing yourself to do those good works. And in the meantime, he says, don't be anxious. Don't worry. His plan is not going to fall apart 
if you miss on doing some of those things because his grace is going to forgive that. But I think we have to be mindful and we have to be intentional. So that leads me to my next point. What is our part? What is our part in this plan of God renewing us? Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 22. It says, throw off. That's our part. <laughs> That's one of our assignments. Throw off. Throw off what? Our old sinful nature. Mm. Your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So throw off, let the Spirit renew your thoughts, and then verse 24, put on a new nature, created to be like Christ, truly righteous and holy. The best version of Sean, the best parts of me, are because of what God is in me. Patience and kindness, like that comes from God. Niceness, whatever. Like, I'm lazy. I want to just do what I want to do. I'm completely selfish. But as God renews us, I have to put off the old and put on the new. And some of us, we have like this past. And my past was a little rocky. Like, it was shady, you know? And I, I sometimes hear people reminiscing about, man, the party days and the clubs and the stuff. And, oh, we got so drunk and blitzed and all this type of stuff and I think about like was it really that good <laughs> was it really that good worrying if you're going to get pulled over what they're going to find what they're going to do like was it really that good and I think about how ridiculous that must look like I, I've never been <laughs> to a restaurant or to Walmart or just hanging around town and seeing somebody with like a jail jumpsuit right? Like, like the, the orange jumpsuit, Maricopa County, whatever, like people who have been in jail and prison, they don't relive that. And they don't just be like, man, this was my suit, dude. This is, this is what I wore. I didn't even have to think about what I was going to wear. Like it just fits. If I gain some weight, no big deal, right? You don't hear them being like, yeah, I really want to take my kids to where I was incarcerated, show them the shower and the, the facility. <laughs> no way. They want to put that far away. So why do we reminisce? It's because lies are trying to fight us for the new creation that God's preparing us to. It's the lies that want to stifle out the truth. It's the circumstances that we link that says, you know what, the truth is not as true as it is. Because I don't really feel like God's masterpiece. I don't really feel like God's there for me. Maybe I don't, I don't feel special enough. I don't feel good enough or talented enough. I don't see any, any part to this that says only if you do X, Y, Z, only if you're in this family do I have planned good things for you saying we all have a role. We're all a part of the family of Christ. We're his temple. So we have to be mindful that we need to throw off thoughts. Look at what else it says in verse uh, 25. It says, stop telling lies. 
Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. That's a dangerous position. That's a dangerous position because I don't want the enemy to have a foothold in my life. I don't want him handcuffing this arm or handcuffing this this ankle like I want to be free from sin but the fact is is we live in a very broken world we live in a very dark world weren't you reminded of that from Nashville the news like that was heartbreaking and I just think man we our good things that God has created for us to do are so validly important because there is evil that exists. And God's given us the assignment to be his hands and his feet. Do you mind if we just pray for Nashville right now? Can we do that? Father God, I I thank you that you are sovereign. And God, you've called us to be light and salt. You've called us to make a difference. And so we just come to you and we grieve with your spirit what's happened in Nashville. God, would you be with those families? Would you be with that community? We, we just pray that you would do a marvelous thing. We thank you that you can work in the midst of what the enemy has planned for evil. You have a way of turning it to good. So would you be God? Would you do the marvelous and God, I pray that you would just help us, help us be mindful that we need to take action, that we can pray, and we just position ourselves to accept the truth. Would you reveal any lies to us that we have? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share this cool initiative that's going on in Phoenix. I was so encouraged by it. It was in January, they invited all uh, leaders and churches and pastors, but it's called We We Pray All Day. We Pray All Day. And so they just started this. Um, you can show that slide. It was out of order, but it's, it's a prayer initiative. Um, Pure Heart Church um, kind of kicked it off, but they're like, hey, we don't want any credit for this. But if you go on We Pray All Day, it's an initiative to pray for the state of Arizona that they would love to see people praying for our state 24 hours a day. And so you can go and you can just say, hey, I'm gonna pray from this hour to this hour. But I think as a church, it would be really, really awesome for us to come together and say, hey, Streams Church is gonna pray for our state. It's gonna pray for our city on September 25th this month. And so I think it'd be really cool if we could find 24 people that would just pray for that time block. And if you're like, John, my prayers last about five minutes on a good day, maybe two. That's okay. Start somewhere. Maybe you can team up with somebody. Maybe you guys can share an hour, whatever it looks like. But if we could take one day a month and just say, we are going to cover our city, our teachers, our first responders, our firefighters, our police, our political system, whatever, and just say, we want God's presence here. What a cool initiative like for the body of Christ to come together that says, it doesn't matter what denomination, but we believe in the power of prayer. So I am so excited about this. And the great thing about this 
is you don't need a username or a password and you forget your password and all that nonsense. You just sign up to pray. Like, how easy is that? So we'll be talking about that um, more as we go along. But the idea is that, yes, we do participate in God's work in our lives. So I'll just give you a quick three steps. And then at the end of this service, we're going to take communion as well. But the first step is we have to love God. That's the greatest commandment, right? Matthew 22, 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's really the first step. And then the second is to begin to reject the old and replace the lies with truth. Getting to know the Bible, like memorizing it and ingesting it and like letting that truth replace the lies. So you can know the Bible. There was a lot of Jewish people that memorized the Bible, but they didn't have a love for God. So it starts with a love of God. And then lastly is to walk in your new identity. Saying, Lord, I don't know that I believe that I'm a masterpiece, but you say that I am. I don't believe that you're going to use me for these good things that you've planned, but it's in your word, so I'm going to believe it. Lord, help me to recognize. <laughs> Give me a nudge. Give me something that knows that you want me to speak or that you want me to write or that you want me to be generous or that you want me to whatever it looks like. And I'll tell you what, when God puts you in that experience and you get to have that interaction, it will be the best part of your day. It's so exciting. It's so exciting to be on mission with God. Okay, let's keep going here. Um, verse 30, it says, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Throw away those jail clothes. <laughs> Don't do that. Instead, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you you might look at that list and be like yeah I struggle over some of those things ask God why is there some type of feeling of control or respect that you get by being angry is there some type of pleasure that you get by gossiping or tearing down others is there some insecurity in you that's saying, hey, look, I want to tear others down so that I might look better? Or I like people knowing that I'm the man or knowing that I'm the woman. Like, why is it that you want to accept the lie over God's truth, over him moving you to new experiences? It says, like, God's purpose is what Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven his purpose is to invite heaven to earth and we are his church does that make sense you like that so it is not painful or shouldn't intimidate you god is going to help us through but i will say the enemy's plan is for you to grab hold of lies of lies but you are special to God you are loved by God 
life is upside down, even if you're in the middle of sin. It says sin is so easily entangles us. God understands and identifies with our struggle. He is your helper. And I think that's what I want to leave you with is Psalms 46.1. It says, God's our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. So as you say, God, I need your help. I need, I believe in Christ as my salvation. I ask for forgiveness. I want that mercy and grace that he's talking about. The great thing is God saves you. He gives you everlasting life and he promises you eternity. But along the way, He's inviting you to a wonderful, amazing life here on earth. And he's saying, hey, I have great stuff that I want to show you. I want to take you on this trip. I want you to experience this. I have good things for you. His will is good for you. It's cool to think that he has planned good things for us. I love that. I love that. I want the worship team to come. And we're going to take communion because really this symbolizes the sacrifice of God, right? It's him saying, I love you so much. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so it represents his broken body. And it represents his blood as sacrifice. So I'm so thankful that my salvation is not based on my good works. It's not based on my church attendance or if I help do something, or if I'm nice to others. But right now, God's sacrifice can trump any addiction that people have. It can trump any sickness that people experience. So if you're saying, hey, I'm still struggling over the sin. I need healing in my body. I need my mind to be renewed. I need the spirit to do a work. That's why we're taking communion. So I just want to give us a chance for you to have a conversation with Jesus. <laughs> and maybe you just thank him for the sacrifice. Maybe you say, you know what, I am messed up and I need your forgiveness. And I want to, I want to welcome you in my life. I want to acknowledge that you are able to do things. You can help me in this relationship. You can help me in this addiction. You can help me in this problem that I always seem to struggle with. Replace those lies with truth and make me new. Can we pray? I'm just going to give you a minute of, of silence here as the, play, as the music plays. my yoga upon 
thank you for your sacrifice, that your body was broken for our benefit. May the full work of the price you paid on the cross be imparted to our lives for your glory. Let's take the bread. God, thank you for your blood that was poured out. Thank you that by your stripes we are healed. Thank you that you give us a physical representation that we actively participate in. May your blood cover our sin, removing its stain and guilt. as we sing a song.